You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 241, I think. Uh, I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of bleedinggreennation.com. I was in the middle of my Eagles chat here uh, at noon on Saturday. We're recording this at 1.39 right now on Saturday. And I was interrupted by the Eagles signing of Kaiser White. I had to jump out of the chat, write that article, blah, 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 blah. Since we last spoke, Brandon, the Eagles have made... Three other signings. Uh, they were Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, and Zach Pascal. So we'll get to all those. But I think we'll start on a positive note on the deal that I think we both like, which is Kaiser White. But before we get to that, I need to hear about where I can get the most delicious meat snacks in all the land. Well, Jimmy, I'm sad you haven't uh, listened to me in the past and know this answer already somehow. <laughs> but uh, it's at RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order but let's just get right into it jimmy uh like you said the eagles signed kaiser white first of all good name mm-hmm. uh, for as much as i believe in the jersey number analytics i also like like a good you know name with a Kaiser's player good. too uh i think that's some there's some swag there's some uh juice to that name uh so i already like that from the jump but uh it's a one-year deal reportedly worth uh up to five million that's what uh, nfl network had to say mm-hmm. uh my gut reaction is that this is a good move. This is a player that I think both you and I profiled at certain points yes. in terms of making sense for this team in terms of age. He literally just turned uh, 26 two days ago as we're recording mm-hmm. this. So young, ascending player, didn't become like a full, hadn't start, started like a full set of games in a single season until last year. Um, it's the one-year deal. Um, so I think there's reasons to like it. Yeah, he's a converted safety. He went to West Virginia uh, he's from the area here. He, he grew up near Allentown, uh, I believe. Um, he went to West Virginia. Like I said, he was a big hitter there. He's sort of like a safety linebacker hybrid, converted to linebacker in the NFL. He's undersized, 6'2", 218. The Eagles are, of course, no strangers to trying to convert uh, safeties or hybrid safety linebackers into linebackers. Obvious examples on that are Nate Gary. That didn't work out so well. Uh <laughs> Uh, Camus Grugier Hill, uh, that eventually did work out. I think he's actually playing better now. And, uh, Davion Taylor is another example to be determined with him. Jacoby but Stevens. And Jacoby Stevens, another good example. Yep. Uh, in 2021, uh, White had his best season, uh, with the Chargers. The Chargers drafted him in the fourth round in 2018. Uh, but last year was his best year statistically anyway. I had 144 tackles, a couple picks, uh, a sack. I don't know if you saw the... Um, and just looking at YouTube videos for him, looking for like high re- highlight reels or whatever, I, I stumbled across a film breakdown done by Daniel Jeremiah and somebody mm. else. Daniel Jeremiah does 
the radio broadcasts for Chargers games during the season. And I think he does the TV broadcast like during the preseason. Correct. Yeah. Um, but he, during this video, called he called him the the Chargers defensive MVP. Mm. This was that like this was that like the eleven like the week eleven or week twelve point in the season, and they sort of prefaced it like. Okay, but like Joey Bosa and um, yeah. and Derwin James aside, like he's the defensive MVP. But uh, it's a player that that he seemed to like a lot. It seems like Chargers fans aren't happy that he mm. signed elsewhere. Uh, so I think those are all good signs, I guess. Um, on the downside, or the or maybe the concerning side is why did he cost this this low amount of money this late in free agency? Like, what do other teams know that we don't know or whatever about this signing? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, uh, on the surface to me, it feels like a good, and by the way, like Eric Wilson had good numbers last year when they signed him last mm-hmm. year, but you and I had, you know, more concerns than we did, like, than we thought, like, were, we thought there was more downside with him than there was upside. In this case, I actually think there's more upside than there is downside. Uh, and I would also go, so also throw in there in terms of like, why was he still available? Which I think is a valid point. Like, why are the Chargers who are kind of like really loading up and trying to build around their exactly. quarterback on a, yeah. uh, a rookie contract? Uh, like, why are they so willing to let him go? Mm-hmm. Um, that's another question. But I, I feel like this, you know, again, there's more upside here than there were in other linebacker, Eagles linebacker signings in the past. Like you talk about Corey Nelson and Jatavis Brown and Paul Warlow and uh, Zach Brown and uh, Eric Wilson. Did I already say him last year? Like basically, you know, all you know all the names. Um, so that's kind of the downside to me is just because they haven't been able to figure <laughs> out the positions. Yeah, you, I mean, you these guys aren't like making it th- like on the team through the. Game. Yeah, some of them don't even make it through training camp. Right, but uh, almost all of them don't even make it through the the, the entire season. So, you know, you kind of have to have that in the back of your head. You can't just be like, well, this is definitely going to work out. You have to have some kind of, uh, you know, skepticism. But uh, overall, you know, it's a one-year deal. Gives uh, the Eagles a chance to kind of look at him and see if he could be a long-term piece, which he could if he plays well. Or maybe he plays really well and signs a huge deal with another team next year and and he helps get you a comp pick. Um, But I think this is a pretty good signing. Uh, Again, you kind of touched on it in terms of – uh, he's making plays more so last year. So I think one thing that kind of gets undervalued when we talk about linebacker linebackers is like their playmaking ability. And you look at like their interceptions and forced fumbles mm-hmm. in recent seasons. And I feel like a lot of guys who get released, but kind of have that big name power, they might still rack up like the tackles. Um, but like, then you see they're, they're kind of drying up on the, the, and that was always a thing with Michael Kendricks. I think, especially later on in his career, it was like, well, he's really not making plays out there. Uh, and, uh, that was the case with Kaiser White. And also, on your note about Charger fans being upset uh, with him leaving, I took this from Bolts from the Blue, which is SB Nation's Chargers blog. Uh, Michael Peterson does a good job over there. And he had written this back in like mid-November. He he uh, did like a little post uh, posing a question to the readers of like which player uh, did you maybe not uh, have the highest expectations for to the prior year, but they look mm-hmm like pretty good now. So basically the biggest surprise from the first half of the season and he put Kaiser white and he wrote that he's really taking his game to another level with his physicality and overall nose for the football currently leads the team with four tackles for loss and tied with Asante Samuel jr. For the team lead in interceptions too. at that point. Okay. Uh, he's been the author of a number of big plays so far this season, and you can actually see how much that's done for him and his confidence up to this point. At times he looks like a whole new player. So, you know, there's a, I think the Eagles are betting on upside here. And to a larger point, Jimmy, I would say the external free agent signings they've made, like 
easier to get on board with than the the, the moves they're making when it comes to uh, just re-signing their own players or bringing guys back. If you'll recall, uh, when the Eagles played the Chargers uh, last season, I think we all sort of pointed out, like doing our matchups posts and stuff like that, that Chargers had a really bad run defense. And I think they ended as like one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. So maybe that's a little bit of a concern. But I think that's more about the scheme that they ran uh, under Brandon Staley, like not really caring all that much about stopping the run and sort of focusing on stopping the pass. I think it was, you know, it's more like he was uh, willing to, to, you know, give up yards on the ground. Um, so uh, I don't know what to make of that, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll all kind of take a deeper look at Kaiser Roy because I see him stepping in with this contract as a starter, like immediately yeah. and uh, probably alongside TJ Edwards, as opposed to Davion Taylor, in my opinion. Um, so I don't know. We'll see how it all shakes out during training camp, but um, yeah, I think we're both on board with this signing uh, as opposed to, you know, maybe some of the other uh, recent signings they've had since we did, did our last pod. I also don't think this precludes them. Anything they've done in free agency, arguably, well, except for Barnett, and we'll talk about that soon, uh, <laughs> precludes them from like drafting a linebacker in the first round yeah. early on. And again, I will believe they take a linebacker in the first round, like we all will when it actually happens. But just because right. like you make the signing means doesn't like rule that out. It doesn't mean you can't do that now um, if you really like Devin Lloyd or whatever. Um, but uh, I think what it does do is kind of make it so you don't have to do that. You know, you're kind of you're adding obviously a body in there that you feel comfortable with. So if you don't get the guy, maybe you wanted in the draft, you're you know you at least have an option there. So that's a good signing. I, I'll give it like a, like an a minus. I think it's good. It was it was weird to me that we hadn't heard so much as of a peep in terms of the Eagles' interest in any linebackers out there, and uh, we still hadn't up until yeah. bang they announced they made the signing. So. Uh, I guess they were just quieter, a little more quiet in their pursuit of uh, linebackers than uh, some of the other reported, you know, players that they had been interested of. A whole slew of them at wide receiver that they whiffed on, and uh, Marcus Williams, for example, at safety. So uh, probably, I would imagine safety's next. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they're just going to stand pat with <sighs> Anthony with Harris. Anthony Nelson, but I don't know what Anthony so let's, Harris. Let's, 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 excuse me, Anthony Harris. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's get to the, to the other signings they did this, this past week. Uh, where do you want to start? Fletch, Barnett, or Pascal? Uh, why don't we start with what we'll do it? Uh, I guess maybe chronologically makes sense. Um, okay. Butcher Cox is back Jimmy, for $14 million. Um, how do you feel about we, it? We did talk about him on the last podcast. Like we know that was after they had released him. And it was expected that he was going to come back. So let's, with him, focus on the actual number or the reported number that he's going to sign back at, which is reportedly $14 million. And I don't know that that's set in stone. Like, it's not up in, like, on, like, you don't, they don't have the contract details, for example, on, like, overthecap.com or Spotrack or anything like that. So um, still kind of be to determine exactly how that's structured or whatever, but... Really? $14 million for Fletcher Cox? The way that I look at that is, so if you just took a player, like the player profile of, of Fletcher Cox, and I'll, I'll, sort of, um, I'll sort of explain that as, you know, 11th year player, clearly in decline, just hey, don't, had his... pound the table, Jimmy. You're going to make it too much noise for the people. Ju- just had... <laughs> Sorry, guys. Just had his... Worst season as a pro by far in 2021. Uh, openly griped about the scheme at points during the season. At times, didn't have the great greatest effort 
uh, at least early in the season. I thought he played harder as the season wore on and, and sort of down the stretch or whatever. But if that profile of player were on some other team and the Eagles went out and they signed him for $14 million, the people, I mean, people would just be either furious or confused or maybe a combination of the two. But for some reason, because he's been here and he's, you know, sort of a legend and he was one of the best players on the Super Bowl team and yada, yada, yada. It seems like it's acceptable in some way, but it's not like he's not worth 14 million or anything close to it. Just an insane contract to me. Spend that money on somebody that's young and can help you down the line. Not Fletcher Cox. Why did they have to do it? You know what I mean? It's not like they this didn't. is, I mean, but from the, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like this is a huge fan favorite and people are going to be outraged or again. Yeah. Like he was so good. Like, I just don't understand what, what is the rush to bring him back like that? Uh, we've been saying for quite a while, I think Fletcher Cox is on the decline. Fletcher Cox is on the decline. And now you're bringing him back on this one year deal. I have said, and I still agree with that. The Eagles are worse off tomorrow if Fletcher Cox is on their roster today and they cut him. Yes. But again, it's about the resources and what mm-hmm. you can use those and the opportunity right. cost of those resources. You can do more things that are helpful to this team, probably not only just this year, but also maybe in the long term. where Fletcher Cox is just eating up all this money for one year. And like, what does that accomplish? Because you can roll over the cap space. I'd kind of almost rather have the cap space than Fletcher Cox if we're talking about, again, long-term vision here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think Fletcher Cox is a bum, to be clear anymore but i just don't think he's anything close to the peak prime version of him and you're paying all these significant resources for that kind of player so uh i think it's pretty disappointing uh and also just in terms of and i think we'll touch on this maybe with some other moves but like can't like can't we get more playing time for milton williams who actually looked good last year like this is this is the problem when the eagles are bringing back their own players like this like they're blocking the path for players who are younger or at least different coming from a different place they might not Mm -hmm. be younger but like a a new system from a new team and they might have more upside like something greater might happen that's it's not saying it's the most likely outcome but you're allowing yourself that unknown whereas if you just bring back the same old guys you know what you're going to get it's not going to be any magical unknown outcome it reminds me of the discussion that we had last year uh in terms of keeping zach Ertz around and precluding um dallas goddard from taking the next step perhaps and, and getting the snaps that he should be getting. So yeah, I think we're kind of, I'm on the same page with you as there as well in terms of, and maybe it won't affect Milton Williams snaps. Maybe he would get the same number of snaps that he have gotten, you know, whether Fletcher Cox is here or not. I don't know. We'll see. Well, let's say a rookie but, defensive tackle then, you know, like they draft one and now he's not playing right. as much. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that remains to be seen, but I'm, I'm with you on the, on the point that if it, if it does come to that, where like he's losing snaps because they kept Fletcher Cox around at fourteen million, then I don't think that's you know that's that's it's just, it's another that's not how you get negative side effect to overpaying for a veteran like this. Like that's like how he talks about getting younger. You don't get younger by keep bringing back the older players and not playing the young guys. Like that's like, I don't I don't know how you expect to get younger when you when you don't do that. It's one of how he's admitted. Yeah. Um, how does flaws. that make any sense? By the way, like he's going to come out here and say this. <laughs> And then just do nothing about it. Like that's not how working through like a problem works, right? Yeah. Well, to be clear, what what we're talking about here is how he has has admitted that he's that he gets attached uh, to players that have been around for on the team for a so long time. So do something and, about it. And and it does it. It doesn't it hasn't changed. It's not changing. So I don't know. Whatever. Uh, what was the next signing? Was it Pascal after after yeah. Fletch? Pascal came so, after that. 
this is a guy that you and I, we both had him as number one on our big boards in terms of the likelihood of uh, a guy that the Eagles were, were going to sign. Um, he's, sort of the Nick, he's sort of the Nick Sirianni version of Chase Daniel for Doug Peterson and like half a dozen guys like Stephen Tullock, Zach Brown, Nigel Bradham, uh, et cetera, for, uh, you know, guys for like Jim Schwartz, uh, Leotis McKelvin. You can, I mean, even just beyond linebacker, like other positions, the tons of Jim Schwartz guys that they brought in over the years. So this is sort of that for Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni had brought up Pascal repeatedly, like unprompted throughout his entire first year as head coach with the Eagles. So there was, uh, if there was ever a tell that they were going to sign a guy in free agency, this was it. And, the Eagles had, you know, whiffed on a lot of other free agent possibilities. Like they tried to trade for Calvin Ridley, not their fault, obviously, that um, he got suspended for the year for gambling. Um, they whiffed on Christian Kirk. Again, not their fault that the Jaguars paid him an absurd $18 million per year. Uh, they whiffed on Allen Robinson. You know, maybe that's a guy that didn't want to come to Philly because they're the most run-heavy team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also apparently whiffed on... Uh, Jeff McLean in, in, in an article this morning said that Robert Woods uh, sort of chose the uh, Titans as uh, as his next team, and the Rams let him do that. Um, they, what did he? What did they trade for him? A, a third round pick, I think. Oh, six. That's yeah. Right. So yeah, like, super, you know, yeah, if, I feel like you're the Eagles and they really want him. I think you can up the offer from a six to convince. Why am the Rams. I thinking a three? Who got traded for? A, oh, it was Matt Ryan got traded for a three. Um, Doesn't play so, wide yeah. receiver. They've, <laughs> so they've had all these guys that they've that they've tried to to get. I think they might have signed Zach Pascal in addition to any one of those guys because he signed for nothing. I mean, he apparently didn't get a lot of interest around the league, but he signed for hmm. like one point five million or something like that. Um, but his stats were like okay when Nick Sirianni was in Indianapolis in mm-hmm. his one year playing with Carson Wentz. Uh, they, wow, you just they, love to bring him up, Jimmy. They, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his numbers fell off big time in uh in 2021. So, I don't know, we'll see what we get here. I think he's sort of in a uh a, a replacement for JJ Arthago Whiteside uh in the quote-unquote enforcer role <laughs> in the Eagles offense as the uh as the the Nate Allen like nasty blocker uh from the wide receiver position. So, uh, that's going to be his role. He'll catch more passes of course than than JJ did, but I think this spells the end. Uh, for for poor JJ and Philly. Uh, also, I would say you know Pascal, you would think would be ahead of Jalen Rager on the depth chart, right? I think so. Yeah, so I think that's right. I like that. <laughs> I think he's better. Obviously, it is funny that the Eagles signed someone who had like a worse PFF grade than Jalen Rager <laughs> last year, and yeah. not only worse, but like the worst, ninety four to ninety. Oh, was it? I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, and obviously, again, it doesn't mean everything. It might not mean anything, but. Just the, the optics of it are like really kind of like uh, not great in addition to everything you mentioned about the Pascal signing in a vacuum like is totally fine. Mm-hmm. I think it's non uh, – there's no like kind of – that's nothing to take major umbrage with it. But when you add in the context of they haven't done anything else at wide receiver and I'm reading Jeremy Fowler right for ESPN that the Eagles have, quote, big plans for Zach Pascal and are talking about him like wide receiver two, wide receiver three. I'm like, well – that seems like maybe a little bit too much, Zach Pascal potentially. Um, I think ideally, you know, he's more of a fourth guy or, you know, uh, third guy. Um, and the Eagles don't have that number two right now, unless you think Quez is going to make that jump. And I think Quez I think has... they think he's the number two, like, solidly. Yeah. 
which I like Quest. I'm not down on him at all, but I just yeah. don't know if realistically, like that's the right kind of, I mean, maybe I'd believe in him more with a quarterback and a more volume passing heavier uh, offense um, and a better quarterback, quite frankly. But um, I just think that's a lot to assume. So uh, I think it's fine. It's not exciting. Um, he'll help out on special teams, I guess, in theory. I think he, like, if you watch his highlights, I feel like you're not necessarily, you know, like a game breaker, but he can make like, some contested catches. Uh, once again, our good friend Johnny Page for BGN uh, wrote a film room on him, and you can see like a lot of value in the red zone. So I also think he's going to replace Greg mm-hmm. Ward there, who was like their red zone guy last year. That could year. be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has some, he has some size, which the Eagles he's six didn't two, two nineteen, I think. Yes, yeah. he's, he's he's actually one, same size as uh, Kaiser White, but <laughs> one one pound heavier. There you go. <laughs> so uh, I think it's solid. I think it's fine. It's nothing to get excited about. It's not the worst move ever. It's just, it's fine. All right. Uh, so let's move on to Derek Barnett, which uh, <laughs> insert the Michael gif, the Michael Scott, uh, no God, why? No, 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 no gif uh, here. Uh, eight penalties, 2.5 sacks in 2021. How many personal fouls did he have? Do you remember? Like I don't four? remember. But he had eight penalties total. Um why? But <laughs> so Why? I have a theory. Um, I think after David Ojabo, the defensive end for Michigan, tore his Achilles, it sort of maybe thinned out the or made the the possibility that you know one of these edge rushers in the 2022 draft worthy of going like 15th overall to the Eagles. I don't know. Like there's there was like six guys know. that could maybe go in the first 15 picks. Or seven, maybe. Uh, now there's, you know, one less. So the Eagles maybe were one fewer. They maybe the Eagles were maybe a little um, uh, worried that if the draft didn't go sort of the way they envisioned or hoped, um, they'd be sort of left with nothing <laughs> at that point, and they wanted to at least fill that hole with somebody in case the draft doesn't go their way. Hence uh, the signing of Derek Barnett. We don't know contract details yet on what he actually signed for, which means it's going to be a low, it's going to be a low contract because anytime uh, a contract is decent, the agent's going to get that out quickly. And because like they're proud of what they got for the, the agent clearly is not proud of whatever Derek Barnett signed for here. Um, but the, but the problem is so, okay, I, I'm fine with the logic there where like, you want to make sure that you bring somebody in to, to have that hole filled with at least somebody in case the draft doesn't go the way that you want it to. But can you sign somebody other than Derek Barnett? Mm. Like, can you can you find somebody other than the guy that was actively hurting you during many games last year? Yeah, it's crazy. What are they doing? And your fan base is like almost unanimously against bringing <laughs> back. Not to say that fan uh, conscious should always drive the team's moves or ever drive the team's moves, but like you know, just kind of like read the room kind of thing. Like maybe this isn't the guy to resign. Uh, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. In terms of, it's just what is the best like possible outcome here? I feel like we've seen. I know Derek Barnett is younger, um, you know, than a lot of players in his position entering whatever fifth, sixth season. But we've seen so many snaps of him. Like we've we've seen a good <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. base. Of, we know. I think we know what Derek Barnett is. I don't think there's this massive untapped potential here. And I feel like people, one thing people aren't even talking about in the signing because he stayed healthy last year is how before last year he was constantly banged up. Like that's another like uh knock against this signing. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been able to stay healthy more often than not. Um, I, I just, I, 
it's so it's, it's like it's incredible it's almost like jim schwartz is still here everyone thought like jim schwartz you know was like the the biggest Derek barnett advocate and he <laughs> right. was in a lot of ways but like he's gone now and Derek barnett is still here um it feels like a no new ideas kind of thing it's like let's just bring back our player our own player again like what's the upside as opposed to maybe you can take a chance on another defensive end out there or to me I'm worried that the Eagles now will still draft a defensive end in the first round, and he's not going to. He's more block uh, roadblocks right, to playing time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's like, what is that? Like, that's garbage. We don't need that. Um, it also makes me worry that they might overthink the uh, Hassan Reddick role a little bit and like not have mm. him playing pure edge as much as they probably should. Uh, if you're bringing back Barnett, so all of that's concerning to me. I get in like again a lot of the things that the Eagles did. I think like. I can make sense of them in a vacuum. Like Derek Barnett, if you, you sell it as he's your fourth defensive end, yeah, that sounds good because, you know, he's he's fine enough to be that. He's good enough to be that. But this team should be looking for more upside. And they shouldn't be bringing back this player who's highly frustrating. And I just don't love it. This is a guy with four and a half sacks, Jimmy, in his last 25 games. Like, come on. Like, I just, like what? What is the best case scenario here? And and I kind of wonder about the contract because we'll and maybe this will be moot when the details come out and I'll be wrong. But if it was so cheap, why is he signing a two year deal? That makes no sense. You'd only want to sign really like a one year deal, mm-hmm. right? If you're taking it on cheap, because then you want to hit the market again next year. And I'm looking at like Charles Harris, who we talked about here as a potential free agent target. Um, and I think he has something like seven and a half fewer sacks than uh, De Barnett in his career, and like. Harris was viewed as way more of a bust than mm-hmm. Barnett for a time. And so he's going to be making and Charles Harris for the, uh, for context the got Lions. a two year. Yeah. $13 million deal with like 8 million guaranteed. So Barnett's going to be like a lot less than that. And cause like even that rate, I think is not great if they bring him back at, if it's something similar. So, so we'll see the details and I guess we can judge more then, but even so, even if it's like a minimum deal, I still don't love it from the upside perspective. I don't think there's a lot of upside to the move. So, uh, I can't get on board with it. I wanted to touch on the age point too. Like he, when he got drafted, he was 20, like during the actual draft, day, he was 20 years old. And then he, his birthday, I think is June. So he's 25 now, turn 26 in June. Um, which again, yeah, he's young enough, but like, he's not like a Josh sweat where like his, uh, combine, uh, performance was like you sh- like you see you can see like the athletic measurables and you're you know you're he's a guy that like you wait to produce no this guy was like ultra broke reggie white's sack <laughs> yeah. record at tennessee ultra productive player at, at, at tennessee wasn't going to be refined all that much at the next level you already knew sort of what he was doing as a pass rusher so his ceiling was never going to be like super high beyond what he produced in his first four or five years or whatever you know, like there's no more upside in my opinion for Derek Barnett. It's not mm-hmm. like he's going to continue to grow all that much more as a player. He just kind of is what he is and he's back. Like now he's back here. We'll see like what that two years means if it's actually two years or if it's some, some, cause again, like we said, we don't know what the contract is yet. Uh, but if it's like a solid two years, you're right. It's weird from, from his perspective to want to do that from the Eagles perspective. It's fine because sure. if you want to bring him back for that second year, then like if he, if he surprises everyone and he produces, yeah. you know, in 2022 and you want to bring him back at that cheap number again, then great. Uh, but like if he doesn't, then the Eagles, I'm sure what, again, we don't know what the contract was, but they could probably just lop him off at, yeah. at, at any point. And, and I mean, is he even like a lock to make the roster if they, if they draft someone in the first round? I mean, I'm, 
I'm I'm guessing so with the guarantee. I'm guessing there's going to be a big enough guarantee that they were they wouldn't move him. I mean, maybe they could. They feel like they can trade him, but there wasn't really a market for people to sign him. So I don't really. <laughs> yeah, know they could have just signed him out. for a very low amount of money themselves. You know. So my problem with it, Jimmy, is I feel like on a bigger picture thing here, which a lot of these moves kind of make me think about. It's not just about getting like caught up in Joe Flacco last year being given three million dollars. It's like the big <laughs> yeah. picture of it all, and I just feel like the Eagles are kind of just like treading water. They're a middling team that's kind of like running it back. I tweeted out, and uh, I might write something about this at some point. Like, if you loved the 2021 Eagles, you're going to really love the 2022 Eagles because it's like <laughs> the same freaking team in a lot of ways, yeah. uh, which really isn't inspiring coming off a season where you didn't beat any good teams. You weren't even like competitive in those games, and you finished your season with a blowout loss uh, and didn't look like you belonged on the field uh, at all in the playoffs. So, it's hard for, I think, people to get super excited. Again, I think the Eagles have done a good job with these external free agent signings. Hassan Reddick, I think that was really good. White, uh, Kaiser White signing, just talked about that, really like that. Mm-hmm. Pascal's fine. Like, those are moves that, like, make sense to me. And, like, okay, this is kind of somewhat building here. Or there's some kind of long-term play, or or at least for the wide receiver position, it's, like, stabilizing it a little more. Like, all these, like, re-signings, like Barnett and everyone, and Harris, it's just like, what is the upside? Like, what is, what's going to happen here? It just feels like it's just wasting a season. You're just, you're just treading water. You're wasting time. You're not accomplishing anything. It's not, everyone, I, I hate, and people said this a lot, I think, about, like, Brian Colangelo at one point, not even just with the Sixers, but with the Raptors as well. Um, it's almost like death by a thousand paper cuts kind of thing. And it's like, every move he makes is not, like, the worst move, but when you keep making those time after time <laughs> like that's not how you build a yeah. super bowl contender is just by merely not making the worst move every time like, you have to make some really good moves and take some big swings and how he's talked about that and i don't really think he's taken a lot of big swings this offseason well he's tr- the problem is he's tried he, sure. I mean, they, they've tried to take swings they, they've just not been successful in getting it done like they've thrown some punches but they've only landed one they've well, landed that's their fault, and that's it yeah, right i mean it's it maybe says something about the appeal of coming to Philadelphia and playing for the Eagles. Which we talked about last week. And I think it's not again about players like being like, Oh, Philly, I'm not going there. I don't think it's necessarily like that across the board, but I do think it's like, Oh, the Eagles, like whatever, like indifferent. Um, and, and it makes sense from a standpoint of they don't have an established quarterback. They don't have a head coach who people really like, know. I don't think people like know, you know, Nick Sirianni and it, you know, he's not prolific by any means. Um, it's not, you know, especially nice, like, you know, Miami somewhere, like, you know, considered like a hotspot destination. Right. Like Tyreek Hill was like, I'm going to Miami. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, so, you know, th- there's a disadvantage there. Um, but you know, again, I think part of it is the team they've created. It's like kind of just this middling team that isn't super compelling. And you look at the Eagles free agent signings from external and who are they? It's a guy who was from Camden, New Jersey, and Hassan Reddick. It's a guy in Kaiser White who grew up like Lehigh. Might have been going to Eagles training camps for all we know. I'm mm-hmm. curious to see if uh, he'll be asked about that and answer about that. Um, and Zach Pascal, who was boys with like basically yeah. best friends with the head coach. Right. Um, so that's that's the guys you were able to get. And again, I think those signs are fine, but it's, it speaks to uh, you know not being the draw. And I wonder how much the Eagles really. Uh, I wonder what they're thinking about that because I think in their minds they think they're probably you know a bigger a draw, and they're they are one of the the hot spots. But clearly, the evidence has not borne that out. Yeah, it's uh, from a fan perspective, it's got to be a big bummer because you look at all these teams around the league making taking these big swings and 
connecting. Like the, the, the number of huge moves that have happened in the NFL and free agency this year is crazy. It's like it's we've never seen a free agency in the NFL like this ever. Like this yep. is the, this is a, a new like level of just crazy trade to Sean Watson, Russell Wilson, uh, Matt Ryan, uh, uh, Baker Mayfield's going to be traded. You have Tyreek Hill getting traded. Uh, who are the other Von Miller signs in Buffalo? Um, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack. Like that feels like it was like, <laughs> you know, like I, you can forget like it's normally in a normal free agency, like Khalil Mack getting traded would be one of the biggest moves out there. Now in this case, it's like what, like barely even top 10. <laughs> so the, the, the number of move, like the number of fans across the league that root for these other teams that have made these huge moves and improve their team. Like they're all excited. <laughs> There's like not that much to get. Again, I don't think the Eagles have had a bad free agency necessarily. They've, it's been okay, but it's been boring and it's hard to get excited with what they've done. And not to make everything about the quarterback, but to make everything about the quarterback, I don't think it's exactly like free agents, especially the receivers are like lining up to play yeah. with Jalen Hurts in Philly. And also I don't think the Eagles from an organizational standpoint, like I know they tried to take some big swings, but I don't think they're being really as aggressive still on the whole as they could be if they truly believed in Jalen Hurts and were like, hey, this is our window with a rookie quarterback. We need to capitalize on this contract like they did with Carson Wentz. Um, like you're seeing, you know, again, I brought up the Chargers are doing that. I don't think the Eagles are like really in that mode. They're not like pushing all the chips in like, hey, we should win now because we really believe in this guy. They're kind of, it seems like they're treading water because they don't really necessarily believe in the quarterback wholeheartedly. So they don't want to like fully commit to this era being like the run they go on. They're kind of almost trying to like buy themselves more time, which might make sense and might work out in the long term, but it's pretty boring and not fun in the short term. Uh, so do you think there's any validity to that? So even just taking it out of, um, it's even, even just taking it away from Jalen Hurts, like the fact of the matter is, they're the most run-heavy team in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hard to attract playmakers to your offense. Well, people keep saying, so I, keep, I bring this up, and people are like, well, don't you think they're going to pass more next year? And I'm like, well, no. maybe. Well, I mean, maybe <laughs> more than like, – More than they did, but like, they're still going to be one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL. Like, And I, I don't think that's I, – I, like, I don't, first of all, they passed the hell out of the ball early in the season. Yeah. They did only beat a super run-heavy team at like week seven. And they were still the run heavy, most run heavy team in the league before they, you know, even, even though it took them like a month and a half to figure out that that's what they should be. Mm -hmm. They're going to probably come out week one and run it right away. Mm -hmm. So they might run it. They might pass it a little bit more sure. than they did like during most of the season last year, but they're still going to be run heavy because they have to be. They don't have a choice. I agree. If they want to win games anyway. Right. Did you not watch the games where they were really pass heavy and how those <laughs> went? And also... Um, like, you know, everyone wants to compare Hertz to Lamar in some ways, not saying everyone thinks they're, you know, like a photocopy or whatever, but like that kind of style offense, the Ravens are, you know, always going to be one of the most run heavy teams. Like that's just, the, <laughs> yes. that's what they are. Yeah. That's what it is. And why would they go away from it? And people would be okay with that if they did, like, this is what worked for them last year. So yeah. again, they might not be the heaviest run team, but like, I bet they're going to be in the top five. They're not going to be top 10 in passing attempts all of a sudden. Like how, how's that going to happen? I, so, yeah, I think that's all part of it. Um, but we're going long on this opening segment, Jimmy. Why don't we take a break right here, and then we'll talk about some other things. But before we go to the break, gentle listener, 
spare me from fast forwarding for a sec to tell you about righteous felon craft jerky which you can get by going to righteousfelon.com and using discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order it is a great product a lot of our listeners stand by it i stand by it uh i'm going to speak for jimmy and say that jimmy stands by it uh it's 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 really good you should check it out you need some snacks springtime is here you're going to be going out maybe on some hikes uh, maybe some picnics once the weather's getting nicer. And uh, why not have Righteous Felon Craft Jerky to snack on? Go to RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN for 15% off your order. Oh, by the way, if you're going on those hikes and you have a dog, maybe you want to bring some Wild Nature Pet dog treats by going to WildNaturePet.com using the same discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Jimmy. Back after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy, how do we start this second segment? Yeah, of the so I guess uh, what I have here in our notes, we already covered basically all nice. the, the players that, that they sort of whiffed on, which, whatever, we went a little long on segment one. That's fine. Um, but so I guess let's transition to what's next. Like, they still haven't really gotten that much better at receiver. They had two playable wide receivers previously. Now they have at least three playable wide receivers. I still think they need uh, a safety because you look at the depth chart. Starters are Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps, and I don't think that's good enough. And Kayvon Wallace they, is your top backup. Even if they are, they need they need depth because Kayvon Wallace really hasn't played well, and I, I think they're probably down on him at this point. Hmm. Um, who else would they have? Oh, Andre uh, uh, Sachere, potentially yeah. at safety there. Linebacker, probably done there, at least in free agency. Maybe they'll they'll address that in the draft, but they have... They have numbers at linebacker. They just don't have a lot of anything that's impressive. I mean, they they, they have they T.J. Like Edwards, Davion Taylor, eight on the team Kaiser White. Now they have, like I, I wanted to see a little bit more of. Um, oh man, uh, I can't Johnson? believe. It. Uh, no, uh, Jacoby, uh, Sean, um, Sean Bradley, Sean Bradley. I can't believe I couldn't think of his name. Uh, who you know when he's gotten opportunities, I think he's actually looked okay out there. Sure. So I'd like to see him get some some more opportunities. But they have numbers at linebacker. They just don't have any definite three down players. We'll see what Kaiser White is going forward, but that, that, that could be something they address in the draft. Um, so I guess the only thing they really have, have left to do that's definite is safety. And let's also address cornerback real quick too, mm. because I think there's expectation among the fan base that they should sign a cornerback in free agency. And I'm not there yet. I think, and even in the draft, I think there's a lot of expectation that, 
you know, they're going to take some guy, somebody in at like pick 15 or whatever. I think if you get like a Derek Stingley or a Sauce Gardner, to, Sauce Gardner is not going to make it to 15, but like, let's say Stingley makes it to 15. I think you really got to consider that. Like if he's your best player, then go ahead and take him. But um, as far as forcing the issue on that, they, I mean, we've covered this before on the podcast, but they, they drafted Zach, Zach McPherson last year. He didn't play at all last year because they got a really odd, healthy season. In previous years, we've, we've seen cornerbacks drop like flies on this team, but Slay, Maddox, and uh, Steven Nelson, who's still a free agent, right? Yep. He hasn't signed anywhere, still right? Still out there, so he could They're, always be back. They all played every game with the exception of that last meaningless game. Um, so those guys didn't get to play all that much. Like McPherson, they traded for Tay Gowan. Let's see if you can name the rest of them in under five seconds. Ready? Go. Kerry uh, Vincent Jr., <laughs> Josiah Scott, uh... <laughs> Who did I who did I miss? Uh Kyron's Jr., Josiah Scott, Tay Gowan, I already Mac said. Mac McCain. Mac McCain. Um and and Sachere, I guess if you want to throw him in there too. Uh so they they brought all these young guys in. They're all still on the roster. I think the Eagles want to take a look at those guys in mini camp OTAs if they don't look what they see. And they can sign some veteran at that point, like they did last year with Steven Nelson. So um I, I don't foresee them signing any kind of big name. I know that you would put something up about Stefan Kilmore. They had taken a look at him, or there was some kind of. What his was wife, you can explain that better than I can. His wife like tweeted out um, in response to an Eagles fan saying like, "Hey, come to Philly or whatever." That like, uh, like they they called or whatever. Like said that they called uh, about him, okay. which you know that doesn't mean anything. They, you know, the Eagles <laughs> should be calling like almost every free agent and seeing like you know, yeah. I guess to some extent like what? Hey, what's the price? What's the what's the thought here? Let's sure. check in on that. So you know, I don't put a ton of stock into that and i don't think it really makes sense from an age profile he's gonna be he's he is 32 or so like i don't i think the Eagles are looking to get older or shouldn't be at least a corner especially again we're talking about blocking the playing time for these young guys on your roster and finding out maybe what you have and in, in zach mcpherson and company uh and that's that's my that's my thing with the, like what i said about herbig to a lesser degree I think it's, it matters, but like, why do you have all these guys? Like in the case of Herbert Herbig and tendering him, I was like, why do you have all these guys on the roster taking up these spots, these developmental offensive linemen, if you're not gonna like give them a chance ever? And they're just like they're just hanging around. And I think it more applies to corner here, where it's like you have all these guys just hanging around on the roster and practice squad and everything, and it's like, are you gonna give them a shot, or are you just gonna have them around for no good reason? So I would like to see the young guys get a shot there. I do get why people would be antsy about it because it's a mm-hmm, hole. Sure. It's like, there's no yeah. proven starter there. But again, uh, you might be able to bring back Nelson if you really want to. Um, so they it's not surprising that he hasn't gotten uh, that he hasn't signed mm-hmm. anywhere yet. It, not from the standpoint of uh, I think you know he clearly has a high opinion of himself. That though. could be. So yeah, I yeah. think he. Uh, probably not getting the offers he was looking for yeah. for for the second straight year. Uh, yep. I, I would assume. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's uh, look at the quarterback position here real quick, too, And the as far as the draft goes. So the Eagles reportedly took Kenny Pickett out to dinner mm. after his pro day. Like, did you play? Um, you played sports when you were a kid, right? Like, after a game you went to. Where was your, like, go-to? Like, for, for me, it was 7-Eleven. We got taken to 7-Eleven. We get Slurpees. So what age are you talking about here? Like when you're a kid, you're like, you yeah, know, like how young, like high school or nine, 10, okay. somewhere in that age. I feel like, um, it would always be like wrecked basketball. And after the season, like the final, after the final game, uh, we'd go to, uh, like pizza hut or whatever, you know, okay. the, the big buffet kind of style, 
a big long table, you know, and we'd all have uh, pizza. <laughs> all the so, kids acting up and being bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's that. In like high school, after games, um, the move would be for me to get the Angry Whopper from Burger King. Love the Angry Whopper. Okay. It's spicy. Um, but yeah. Yeah, for me, it was always 7-Eleven. And I guess that was probably more my parents taking me. That was like after soccer games more than uh, basketball games. Go to seven. Go to seven. Let me get your Slurpee. Maybe like a bag of uh, or like a. I get like a box of, of Nerds, which I'm not a big fan of now. But when I was a kid, I liked them. Well, that's because like, you're a nerd. Had the, yeah, it had the two sides. Like one side would be like strawberry, the other side would be like grape. Uh, take that with my Slurpee, and then go home so and probably sugar. watch some football. Actually, <laughs> go watch either college football or or the NFL because my games would be like Saturday or Sunday morning. Uh, I anyway, think, I think. Uh... Uh, whenever like I see a Seven Eleven, and there isn't like a Wawa nearby, it just makes me sad. It's like I'd rather just be a Wawa. <laughs> like, like this is I'm only going here because there isn't a Wawa. Um, like when I go to Boston, for example, uh, it's all it's very much Seven Eleven territory there, and there's no Wawa, and it just makes me sad. It's like it's just not as good. It's not as good. Uh, so with all due respect, Seven Eleven, if Seven Eleven is listening or everyone's a sponsor, <laughs> I don't think they're terrible. I think I have a, there's some fun things at a Seven Eleven, like a Slurpee. You know, it's a classic. Used to get freaking Surge Slurpees back when I was growing up. I remember in the '90s. Do you remember Surge the soda? Mm-mm, I don't. Yeah, well, it's a throwback. Um, so just had some good times at a Seven Eleven. But if you're talking about, I think like the food, you know, like the hot food or any any kind of the food, I feel like to me is better savory kind of food at least. Uh. They had hot dogs at 7-Eleven that used to be good. I don't know if I'd ever get them there now because I don't think they're selling like they used to. Mm-hmm. So you don't know how long that, that yeah, hot dog has been on that rack. Thing. Like in The Simpsons where Apu sells Homer, the hot dog that's been there forever. I think that was a plot line in one episode. I don't know. It sounds, uh, it sounds familiar. <laughs> so. uh, but yeah, point being that I just think. Oh, he, the hot dog rolls on the ground and there's the camera in the oversized hat. And Apu says, this is just between you and me, smashed hat. <laughs> so he puts anyway. it back on the thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Wawa is better. Um, I don't think. Oh, I mean, there's no doubt, of course. Yeah. So anyway, the Eagles took Kenny Pickett out to dinner uh, in the same way that you'd go get like your Slurpee after the soccer game. And uh, it's not the first time that they've shown that level of personal interest in him. Uh, of course, as you'll recall, in November, uh, and this is something that Howie Roseman doesn't often do, is my understanding, but he went to go see Kenny Pickett play in person. Uh, Pittsburgh played uh, North Carolina. So there's actually two noteworthy quarterbacks in that game between Pickett and uh, Sam Howell, who at the time, I think Sam Howell's kind of fallen off a little bit, but at the time he was thought of as a, as a top quarterback prospect, or at least he was uh, heading into the 2021 season. So in your opinion... Is that real interest or is that a smokescreen? I think it's real interest. Um, that doesn't mean that it, both can be possible. I mean, they might be mm-hmm. playing up the interest in their quarterback, but this idea like they have, I, I just don't, I can't agree with that. It's pure smokescreen. They're totally just doing this to only be like subterfuge and totally throw teams. I, I just don't buy that at all. They have, well, so the benefit of uh, the smokescreen would get to some, some team to trade up ahead of you. Sure. At 50, they, they, they want, they want a team to trade up to, 
12, 13, 14, whatever it may be to get ahead of you and take Pickett. And if you're not interested in him, then it's another player off the board that, you know, a guy may slide back to you that otherwise might not. I mean, I get that, but I just don't think how he is going to Pittsburgh and they're having dinner with him and they're, I don't think, and they're sending their quarterback to his pro day. I don't think they're all doing that just because it's like some ruse. I think, again, there could be some truth to that, some level of that, but I think they're genuinely interested in doing their homework on him. So that mm-hmm. part, I don't think is a smoke screen. I think they want to re- see if like, okay, do we believe in this guy? And that's something that I've been saying the Eagles need to do. You can't just be, you can't, the Eagles cannot be of the mind that the general public is and be like, this quarterback class is bad. So we shouldn't even draft a quarterback. No, that is like, that's not their job. Their job is to go and evaluate it and come to that conclusion on their own. And maybe they do reach that point and that's fine. But Maybe they also look into these guys and they're like, wow, we didn't maybe expect to be blown away by this guy, but we think he projects really well and we love all the stuff off the field and everything. So, we're, hey, we're and we have three first round picks. And if there was ever a year to maybe just throw a dart at that position when you don't have an established uh, answer there, mm-hmm. it would be this kind of year to do that, even though the quarterback class on its, on its whole might not be amazing. Um, so I definitely think there is some real interest there. Uh, uh, I don't, I haven't heard any, you know, top 30 visits yet for the quarterbacks because that'll certainly be interesting to see if those happen and right, tracking right. those at bgn we only have three so far that we know it's jordan davis oh, what's the third um it's Devonte wyatt and then yesterday uh sauce gardner mm. will be coming ah, to philly okay. i gotta get on that then. yep i'm, I'm so, a little behind so that, those are the three out of the 30 that we know so far um so i think we're going to see more you know talk of the eagles being interested in these quarterbacks honestly i don't know if kenny pickett will be on the board by the time the eagles pick at Very number true. 15 yeah. I think there's a good chance he goes before that. Plenty of QB needy teams uh, ahead of them in the draft. I think like uh, a Malik Willis has more upside than a guy like Kenny Pickett, but I do like Pickett. Pickett's got some, uh, he's got some skills. He's, you know, good in the pocket. Uh, Arm is fine. Like it's better arm than Jalen Hurts. Uh, He's more accurate than Hurts. Certainly more accurate than Hurts on the run. Like when I've watched Pickett, the vibe that I've kind of gotten from him is Tony Romo. Mm. It reminds me a lot of him. So, you know, I don't know that he has a, a a ton of you know upside or whatever, but I think he's a better prospect coming out than than Jalen Hurts was when he came out a few years ago. So I don't know. We'll see how that goes. And the Eagles tried to get two quarterbacks this offseason. Yep. See, the idea that just because they missed on them, they're gonna like they're not just gonna continue. They're not gonna they're gonna discontinue trying to upgrade that position. Um, by the way, have you seen a mock draft yet? Like from many of these national guys that have had them taking a quarterback. I feel that I find that weird. Not recently. It's like, the, it's like, I feel like locally here, you know, when the Eagles say things, you know, we're all a bunch of cynical bastards <laughs> and like, we don't believe anything that we you know, we, we really scrutinize everything they say, you know, whether they're telling the truth or not. Whereas I think anything the Eagles say nationally, it's just accepted as fact, Bible, Canon. whatever you yeah. want to call it. And uh, they just, Go okay. Well, they said they like Jalen Hurts, and then he's the guy. And uh, okay, so we'll give him a defensive end, we'll give him a linebacker, we'll give him a wide receiver, and call it a day. And like, and then nobody, nobody mocks a quarterback to them. So uh, again, I'm not saying they're going to draft a quarterback. I think it's on the table, though. Yeah. So hundred percent. How could it? You know, anyone who who says it's not on the table is not paying attention. They again, I bring this up all the time. They drafted Jalen Hurts while they had Carson Wentz. This so I hated this, by the way, from Adam Schefter this week going to ninety-seven-five and being like, "Oh, I don't think the Eagles are going to draft a quarterback." In not so many words, like he kind (laughs) of said that. First of all, like draft stuff like that. You, you, I mean, 
to what extent is Adam Schefter like fully privy to the Eagles draft plans, which aren't even necessarily finalized at this point with so much time over a month until the draft. Second of all, was Adam Schefter spoiler? He's not. (laughs) Yeah. And was Adam Schefter saying the same thing when the Eagles were heading into the 2020 draft? Because if he was asked that question at that time, do you think he would be saying, uh, I don't think the Eagles are going to draft a quarterback? Yeah, you would think that because they had <laughs> right. Carson Wentz, a franchise quarterback, under contract. You would not. Yeah, he, would, he, he wouldn't have even been asked. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, but if he was, he wouldn't have like, of been course. like oh, I think it's on the table. And then they yeah, draft yeah, Jalen yeah. Hurts. No, like, so come on, miss me with that. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, all right, so you want to move on to uh, segment three here? Segment three. Um, okay, yeah. So why don't we take but a break? But first, let me tell you about who was voted number one realtor in the land. By God, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtor. Wow. 856-906-9295 if you're looking to buy or sell your home. Uh, again, Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors. Uh, you can find her also at roachrealtors.com. Yes. 856 856- Nine zero six nine two nine five. Brandon, back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. She's the greatest. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Eight five six nine zero six. Nine two nine five nine two We're back here on BGN Radio. Brandon Lee Gowton, that's me. Jimmy Kemsky, that's him. You already know this because you're listening to the podcast 50 minutes in, but somehow if you listen to this and you dropped in uh, for the first time at the 50 minute mark or so, uh, there you go. More clarity. So uh, I know a lot of fans are frustrated with the Eagles free agency so far, but I'll say this. It's better than anything. The other teams in the NFC have done so far. Here you go. Oh my goodness. These teams have had horrible free agency periods so far. Who do you want to start with? So we're going to cover quickly the, uh, the giants commanders. Hey, the table thing again, Jimmy, knock it off. You're going to, you're going to get these listeners mad, man. They, they hate it. They don't like that. Yeah, because like, I think it like, really pops in the year. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you're, you're torturing listeners. I, I got to emphasize my <laughs> points. <laughs> um, let's start with the G-Man. We'll, start, we'll go bottom up to the Cowboys. Because everyone, you know, the Cowboys should be the finale. We yeah, all know. that's fair. Yeah. Uh, the, the Giants had predictably kind of have done nothing because they couldn't. Because they were the rare combination of like bad and also maxed out cap-wise. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good job. Hard to do. Good job by our old friend, Dave Gettleman, my former favorite general manager in the NFL. Um, they did sign some offensive linemen. Uh, was it Mark Glowinski? Mark Glowinski from uh, Indianapolis, previously previously played for the Seahawks as well. It's been like eight years. So they uh, he actually got decent money. Like, I think he got like six or seven million a year or something like that. I don't like that signing. So mm. they they signed two they signed two thirty something offensive linemen. One of them was Glowinski, and the and the other was uh, uh, John Feliciano, who played in Buffalo. So that one I kind of get because he's yep. coming in to play center. And if you're Brian Dable, you want a guy that knows your offense playing center. It's just a one year band aid to get him through the year. I get that, and I guess the the Giants' overriding theme of the off season this year, as even spoken by the owner of the team is that they, they feel like they've 
screwed up Daniel Jones in his first three years in the league, and they want to give him the best chance to succeed going forward. So I can understand signing a couple of offensive linemen who are at least competent in Feliciano and Glowinski. But, you know, these guys aren't going to be around or still good by the time the Giants can compete again, which is still ways away. I mean, their roster, is so, that was, we're talking about the worst team in the NFL last year by the time the season was over. Um, and now they're building from basically uh, rock bottom. They also signed Tyrod Taylor, which whatever. They had their heart set apparently on finding a quarterback who can be mobile and do some things with his legs. They land on Tyrod Taylor. Everyone knows what Tyrod Taylor is at this point in his career. And that's been about it. That's pretty much all they've done is send a couple of uh, offensive linemen and uh, Tyrod Taylor. They've done some other like very minor things, I guess. But those are the three uh, moves of note that they have made. And that, that's pretty much been it for them. And yeah. they've, they've also dumped a lot of salary, too, out of necessity. And they're actually talking yes. about possibly trading uh, James Bradbury. Mm-hmm. A, a report that I just happened to notice a report before we started the podcast here. The Chiefs have some level of interest in him. And uh, unfortunately for the Giants, while he has been one of their only good players over the last few years, they're probably not getting a lot for, for that guy. Well, I think there was some talk, too, that they might have to actually take on some of his salary uh, in a mm. trade for him and probably to okay. help, like, increase the compensation they would actually get for him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is this is not to be unexpected. I think they were kind of in not totally dissimilar, not the same, but, like, not totally um, different theme-wise from the Eagles last year. It's like yeah, a take-your-medicine kind of offseason because – I mean, what what was Joe Shane supposed to do? Like, he came in, he inherited this awful thing. No one mm-hmm. wants to play for the Giants. He's not going to be attracting big names. And I think they're in a spot, too, where they don't need to necessarily, like, be committing to these. Like, they, they have some time to purge. They need to they need to, to kind of tear this thing down, I think, before they start to, exit, like, put yeah. the building blocks in. So I think that was actually the most important thing for them. I was talking about this with RJ on a previous NFC mixtape. We talked about, like, what move should the team make? Like each, what, and you think of that in the way of like, oh, they should add this player. Well, to me, I was thinking it in the reverse. I'm like, the Giants shouldn't like be worried about getting someone <laughs> yeah. as much as just getting yeah. rid of a lot of the trash players they right. have and the garbage and, and getting rid of that because they're just not in a spot where they add someone and that makes a huge difference for them um, in free agency. Obviously, they have the draft picks. They're going to be... You know, what are they, like five and seven? Five and seven. So... I think they might trade one of those. We'll see. But um, <laughs> there's an opportunity to help them improve their offensive line there long-term. Yeah. Obviously, some good tackle prospects here to work with. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's bad, but it was it was always going to be bad. Yeah, I guess you could probably pencil in, like, Evan Neal or... Charles Icky Cross. Iguana. Yeah, Charles Cross. And then at that other pick, uh, probably defensive line, too, for them. So probably uh, each side of the line for them, I would imagine. But... Uh, anyway, Giants, you know, couldn't do much, didn't do much. Moving on, Commanders, we already covered the Carson Wentz <laughs> trade. Uh, gleefully, we started the show with that a couple podcasts ago. I don't think we need to get too much into that again, but yeah. uh, LOL at the idea that they traded a two that or three that can become a two and uh, also another three. It's funny that the Colts then turn around and they trade a three for a better quarterback yeah. in Matt Ryan. They paid they paid less for Matt Ryan than they had to than the, the commanders had to pay for Carson Wentz. I get it, like Matt Ryan's older or whatever, but he's still significantly better in my opinion. I like I think that Colts team is gonna be um notably better 
in 2022 with Matt Ryan than they were with uh, Carson Wentz in 2021. So see how that goes. The other big, big thing in Washington is they lost Brandon Scherf, uh, their uh, all pro right guard. They now have uh, two holes along their offensive line because they also got rid of Eric Flowers, who was their left guard. They signed a left guard whose name is escaping me right now. Okay. And then they still have the hole at, uh, at right guard. So, I think offensive line was one of the strengths of that team, and uh, they they have some work to do there. And then they also lost a couple of uh, nice depth pieces at defensive tackle in Matt Ioannidis uh, from Temple, of course, and then uh, Tim Settle, who you know decent enough player, just hasn't gotten many opportunities there, uh, playing behind other really good players. Their line is still good when you look at their starters for, with Allen Payne, um, uh, Chase Allen, and Montez Sweat. Uh, but beyond that, there it's thin. That it was it was very at one time it was a very it was very talented and deep offensive line. Now they just have talented stars, but nothing behind them. Yeah, like I'm looking at their depth chart on our lads, um, and defense looks solid. You know, uh, good option, a lot of good you know names like options here. Obviously, the defensive line, like you said, the starters are really Ch- good. Did I say Chase Allen? I'm Chase Young. Chase Young. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but the thing. offense Whatever. to me, like. Uh, I like, you know, everyone likes Terry McLaurin. I think he's great. But what do the commanders have outside of that? Like you have Cam Sims, Adam Humphrey, a receiver. Um, the offensive line, I think, got worse. Like you just said, you lost Scherf, who's an all-pro kind of caliber player. Mm-hmm. Um, tight end is still unsettled for them. They have Logan Thomas coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, like, tried and true really option there. Antonio Gibson was fine. Like He didn't really have a good year last year uh, in terms yeah. of efficiency. Like, what do you, they got J.D. McKissick back, who's actually second on the team in receiving last year, a running back, like a pass-catching running back, who isn't even a full-time player. Like, I mean, they can add talent in the draft, sure, but, like, just don't love that offense right now. Don't love how that's shaping up for them. Did you see the the hubbub over J.D. McKissick, where the Bills were mad about that? I did that? see like, that. They, they thought they had an agreement with McKissick, but they were mad at the, at the commanders sure. for continuing to try to get him to come back, which is weird to me. I don't think there's a, I mean, I guess, I guess I, uh, I'm not up on the general manager etiquette in the NFL. That's sort of uh, beyond my, uh, my expertise, but I thought it was weird that the, the pills were complaining about the commanders trying to still bring him back after, after he had, you know, sort of, and this is during the, tam- the legal tampering part of free agency, by the way, or else he would have signed there or whatever. But, uh, they they continued to try to get him back to Washington and were successful in doing so. And the Bills are mad about it for some reason, but I don't know, whatever. So real quick on that, because it doesn't really matter for the sake of our <laughs> audience. But I think the my understanding there was the relationship that um, uh, Brandon Bean has okay. with, uh, there's familiarity with, and obviously Sean McDermott, the relationship with Ron Rivera and what, like mm-hmm. they have that relationship from the Panthers. I guess they kind of yeah. maybe thought there would be like more respect there and maybe, you know, like, Hey, well, they're trying to take their player away from them. Well, yeah, but I don't know, but maybe they, they kinda, wanted to keep their player. Maybe. Yeah, I, I get it. But I'm just saying like, it seemed like it was kind of based on that. It seemed to be like, maybe there was some violation of trust personally. Okay. Um, so I don't know, but uh, they got him back. And again, he was their second. <laughs> think about that. That's, that's so pathetic. He's their second leading receiver <laughs> last year. That's terrible. Terry McLaurin yeah. and JD McKissick. I think McKissick is a fine player. And he's like terrible or anything, but he can't be your second best receiver on the team. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Washington going nowhere fast. What a shocker. Carson Wentz again. Uh, he raises their 
ceiling hypothetically like there's a higher ceiling with him than Henneke I would say yeah I'll agree with that okay like in theory but Uh I don't think it's you know likely to be reached so uh I'm looking forward to the training camp reports where Heineke is outplaying him (laughs) and it becomes a debate on who should start week one because I think that's a possibility it's possible (laughs) but it's also possible that oh Wentz is looking great and then the real games start um, and again, not many additions by the by the uh, commanders either. So uh, the left guard and beyond him, was there really anything? No, I just I guess nothing I really exciting. No, probably have that pulled up, but I don't. Um, let that me brings us sure to before we move on to the Cowboys. Let me just make sure, like the Dallas here. Cowboys. Oh, they signed another guy, F.A. Obata, pass rusher. See, like that's a guy. Like I would, if I'm the Eagles, I'd rather sign a guy like him right than Derek Barnett. Correct. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's let's see let's see what this guy can do. Uh all right, Cowboys. Um they barely added anyone and it's probably makes more sense to say who they lost first because that's more notable. And this was going to happen. So last year was sort of their window to compete for a Super Bowl. And then in an instant in the playoffs, you call your little uh QB draw don't get the don't get the spike down in time and your season's over. Not that, you know, they would have won the game if they had spiked the ball. Anyway, whatever. Won't get down that road again. But they were gonna lose players. Like they had to make some hard decisions on players this offseason. And it wound up being Amari Cooper, uh, Randy Gregory, which we'll come back to in a second, Lyle Collins, Connor Williams, and Cedric Wilson were the five big names, uh, or notable names anyway, that uh, they lost this offseason, so they are not as good a team now as they were a few weeks ago. Hate to see it. Dude, just really <laughs> sad to see the Cowboys getting worse. Uh, yeah, I think this is this is significant to lose Wilson, even like and Cooper. I think that's tough because yes. I think Wilson was fine uh, when he or pretty decent when he had to step. They up last really year. liked what he gave them because he had to play because of injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gallup, uh, Michael Gallup. They they retained Michael Gallup. They actually got him back on I'll give them credit. They got him back for like $10 million a year. When you compare that to what these crazy contracts these other wide receivers are getting in free agency, that was, that was a good get back for, for the Cowboys. They traded Cooper for a five uh, plus a pick swap in the sixth round, um, which the return on investment on that, mm-hmm. having traded a, a first-round pick. So he was really productive for them for three and a half years that he was there, but he was only there three and a half years. Yeah. And they gave a first round pick for that. So in the and they the paid end, him elite money during that time. Yeah, I think he got paid over fifty four million dollars during those three and a half years. Um, so ultimately, I think the end argument here is he wasn't worth that first round pick for only three point five years of of actually playing for that team. RJ said he wasn't. RJ, a Cowboys fan, for people who don't know and listen to the NFC mixtape, RJ Ochoa from Vlogging the Boys. Because I always like to make fun of them for the worth the first T-shirt that they made at Vlogging the Boys when they traded for Amari Cooper, and I thought they did that a little too soon. Um, you gotta you gotta be careful spiking the football a little too soon sometimes. So uh, he would say it's not, it's not it was not worth it. Um, uh, I think their offense was already bad, like or it was kind of like you know not great at the end of last year. It was kind of like faltering, and a lot of people were like not feeling super hot about Kellen Moore, like Cowboys fans were saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, like weren't like thrilled about him coming back. So, and that was with these players. That was with so like you're you're losing Amari Cooper now. You're losing. You're getting back Michael Gallup, but okay, you're losing Cooper and Wilson. So you're really counting on 
uh, CD Lamb to step mm-hmm. up, and I like CD like as as a talent. I think he's a talented sure. player, but I think there's been kind of some disappointment with him too. I don't think he's like quite made the leap that uh, at least some Cowboys fans were hoping with. Again, not to say he sucks, but I think uh, RJ was trying to say after their rookie seasons that like you know CD could have been in a comparable spot to Justin Jefferson if he didn't get dragged down by you know. Um, Andy Dalton and Cooper Rush, the whatever the okay. quarterbacks were using in 2020. Um, but he, I don't think that's unreasonable. Well, yeah, but like you can't say that now. Like you can't make that yeah. argument now after yeah. you've seen two seasons that's of Justin true. Jefferson yeah. and two seasons of CeeDee Lamb, like kind that's of a true. totally different player. And that's not even necessarily a slight to CeeDee Lamb because Justin Jefferson, as we know, is amazing. But still, I think he's I think he's good, but I don't know if he's, you know, like that dominant star player that they really want him to be. Um, so there's that offensive line. Uh, losing Leo Collins, I think hurts mm-hmm. ultimately. Uh, if not, just the starting they lineup. Cut him. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't get anything. He had ten million dollars salary. That's that's one of the most overrated players in the NFL yes. by Pro Football Focus. Well, like back in the day, back in the day, Pro Football Focus used to say like Quentin Michael. And I like Quentin Michael to be clear, but Quentin Michael, the old Eagle safety, like they had him as like the number one or two rated <laughs> safety in the NFL. I was like, come on, guys, that was Leo Collins for the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> and just how he came into the NFL, because everyone's like, "Oh, we should sign him." I was an undrafted rookie free agent. Like every team wanted him, and then but he was good. Out. I mean, he was he was he was a fine player sure. at his fine starter right tackle. And the guy that will more than likely be taken over for him is Terrence Steele. So it's a big gamble by the Cowboys that Terrence Steele is somehow going to be better than Lyle Collins. Connor Williams was like okay yeah, for them at best uh, yeah okay at best yeah so like you might you might even call him a blow average starter but now he's out Connor mcgovern now is your starting left guard uh temporarily we'll see what they do in the draft uh uh be a dish uh your your favorite guy uh at, at center uh they have holes on yeah. this offensive line now where uh, you know in the past I mean, at some points, people are like, is this the best offensive line in NFL history? And no, the answer is always no to that. But is this the best offensive line in the NFL? Even then, probably not. No. But it was always a strength of the team. And now it might not be anymore. You look at um, Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith has missed at least three games in every single one of the last six seasons. Mm -hmm. Six. And he's missed 20 games the last two seasons. Uh, Zach Martin is getting, he's getting, Zach Martin's still an awesome player, but, um, he's getting up there in age as well at right guard. So I'd say it's a pretty strong possibility that, uh, they take an offensive lineman, uh, in the first round of this draft, but certainly it's, it's an area of the team that they got to rebuild, but with Steele now temporarily anyway, becoming the starting right, right tackle and McGovern temporarily becoming the starting left guard. They had some depth there. Depth is depleted now. Because now those guys are up in in the starting lineup, so it's that offensive line is a potential trouble spot. Whereas before, it was always a major strength. Then flipping it to the other side of the ball, the defensive line. I mean, you lose Randy Gregory, who was second in sacks, and you lose him in funny fashion too. In terms of <laughs> yes. you, you, see, you announce as a team that you have him locked up, except <laughs> That's embarrassing, that yeah. you don't, and he leaves, and then he says, "Quote f them." Uh, and talking about how the Cowboys <laughs> handled his contract situation with wanting, uh, you know, certain, I guess, safeguards for themselves that the Cowboys insisted with st- standard, uh, like protection language, but none of the other teams or whatever, or none of the other contracts like had that, uh, for the Cowboys. Yeah, every, every contract on the, on the team, except for Dak Prescott, evidently mm-hmm. had protections in there in case a player got suspended, fine or whatever, not fine, like 
there were they would void guarantees or something like that the the contract that Denver presented him with did not have that kind of language in it and he said okay I guess I'm a Bronco then mm-hmm. and that sucks for the Cowboys because they drafted him in the second round <laughs> of the 2015 draft and they just he kept getting suspended over and over he missed over 60 games yeah. uh during his during over, over the last I guess what would that be 7 years in the NFL missed over 60 games and they just kept him around they kept him on the roster finally he shows something like he made some crazy like athletic plays this past season in 2021 like at the interception that he had i think it was against washington where somebody tried to cut him he beat the cut block he tipped the ball up in the air found it caught oh, yeah. it and then like started to return it to he eventually got tackled uh but the the athleticism that he showed on the play was just incredible he had a, a, a nice handful i think like 3 forced fumbles to go along with with the six sacks that he had last year so he finally starts to show something and then after 7 years of waiting for it at the first sign of positive uh, you know positive results on the field bam gone <laughs> like it's got to just it's just got to that's got to really stick in their crawl that mm. that that he left for another team I mean, I think the Cowboys are very much shaping up defensively to take a step back in 2022, yeah, in part yeah, just yeah, because yeah. that's the nature of the NFL. And RJ was saying that a lot with Washington last year. I was saying that too. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. Washington, no one thought Washington's defense was going to be as good. And then it was way worse than anyone expected for much of the early season. But then it kind of stabilized. Um, I mean, well, Trayvon Diggs is going to pick off however many, <laughs> how many right. picks did he have last year? A billion like infinity he had insane amount you just watch a cowboys game and a lot of those too were just i mean some of them were i think well a lot of them were well deserved but some of them i just felt like he's throwing right to him like he's just it was an incredible (laughs) mix of skill and luck and yeah that's not going to happen again micah parsons um is still going to be i think a really good player oh yeah but i think teams are going to now have full off seasons to prepare for him as probably uh more of a edge rusher than they were presuming Mm -hmm. uh in the past and um you know i just think his season rookie season was so incredible there could be some kind of drop off from what he had there uh so uh, they're just like the they're like the biggest regression candidate not just in terms of those things that had nothing to do with what they did in the off season but in addition to the things that all the losses that they had like it's really the draft, right? It's the draft for the Cowboys. That's what they're banking on. And I think, you know, they've drafted well uh, a number of times. So it's not like they're hopeless in that regard, but relying on rookies isn't always the most, you know, conducive strategy to success. You can't always just bank on getting difference makers there, especially right away. And there are never repeat champions in the NFC East, <laughs> as we have well documented true? over the years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... I think that's another, there's a positive for the Eagles is that, which is <laughs> uh, usually a positive for them during the season is that the rest of the division isn't <laughs> yes. running away with it or, or any kind of elite team. Can you imagine? Like I, I want to be able to like simulate another existence universe where the Eagles are in like the NFC West or something these, since yeah. the Super Bowl. Like, what does that look right. like? What right. is, it's probably ugly. AFC West. Is like, Howie still yeah, the GM? <laughs> It's a good question. Anyway, something to consider. Probably. <laughs> uh, probably. Maybe. Probably. Yeah, but, like, it's just it's funny. Like, the, the context of their division is uh, a point of optimism for the Eagles. Um, all right. Any final thoughts, Jimmy? Uh, hmm. I don't think so. Uh, owners meetings coming up, I guess. Uh, beginning. Uh, I'm flying out tomorrow. And uh, I guess they'll run on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Howie will speak. 
Nick Sirianni will have his, I think it's only a half hour now. We used to be an hour. Uh, but I think it's only a half hour that, that we have breakfast and I'll have my patented sausage sandwich. Um, we'll get to speak with Nick for a half hour. And then Jeffrey Lurie will talk for the first time since his, we'll call it, I'll call it a disastrous uh, last press conference that he had at the end of the uh, 2021, excuse me, the end of the 2020 mm-hmm. uh, season. Wow. That did not go well. It's been that long. Uh, hmm. So yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't talked in a really long time. Uh, so we'll get to talk to all three uh, of those guys. Didn't talk when Sirianni got hired. Uh, Maybe a oh, okay. Bit. Well, no, no, he didn't. He didn't take questions. He, yeah, he, talked. he talked. Remember, he talked for like yeah. He, All right, he had like a twenty-five minute <laughs> intro, and then, yeah. and then poor Nick Sirianni's waiting for him at the podium yeah. the entire time, and then his his press conference didn't go well. Uh, but anyway, uh, that'll yes. be down in uh, Palm Beach, Florida. So I'm looking forward to the to the sunshine and the nice weather. Get out of New Jersey here for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to talk to all three of those guys down there uh, this this not weekend, but uh, the beginning of next week. All right, I have two things uh, food wise for the listeners. Uh, number one, I did not know this existed until recently, and I feel like a lot of people that I've talked to, or everyone I've talked to, people who've lived in Philly for years, do not know about this, or I did not know about this until I told them. There's this thing, Jimmy, called pizzazz, and mm-hmm. maybe you know this if you're listening, uh, loyal listener, but. It's this Philly, it's this Philly pizza style that I've seen at multiple different like South Philly kind of restaurants or pizza joints, where there's no sauce. It's a regular kind of pizza pie, and I think they use American cheese instead of a mozzarella, and they have sliced tomatoes on top of it, like round, not like mm-hmm. diced up or anything, round slices, um, and banana peppers. And I bet you a lot of people would be like, "That sounds gross or weird." I feel like a lot of people would say that, but I had it, and it's pretty good. So if you see pizzazz out there, maybe give it a try if you're looking to experience some different things. I got it from Southside Pizza, but I think there's a bunch of locations that have it. I think a place called Celebres is like the the originator of it. Um, So maybe you get it from there. Uh, It's interesting, I will say. And then the other thing I have is Federal Donuts. Another Philly shout out here. Have you ever been to a Federal Donuts, Jimmy? I haven't. No, oddly enough. You got to get on that. Do you like donuts? I do like donuts. I'm a big donut guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you are. So you got to get on that because they're really good. But they also have Eagles one o'clock games. They have donuts yes. uh, in the morning. So yes, I always load up on on donuts and uh, feel like, and then I get tired and I feel like crap for the rest <laughs> of the day. <laughs> so you should go to Federal Donuts. Uh, they're pretty not a sponsor, but just pretty good as well. They have chicken uh, tenders newly, and they're really good. Mm, they, okay. they have fried chicken there in addition to the donuts, and they are really really strong. Shout out to. Uh, BGN Radio's own Seamus, who turned me on to those. I saw him posting about those on his Instagram story, and they ended up being really good. So, uh, and I've seen them sell out. I've I've talked to people who have been like, hey, you got to try these. And they're like, I tried, and they were sold out. So, uh, if you can go get those, give them a try. They're pretty good. All right. That does it for episode 241 of BGN Radio. Thanks for riding with us. I am Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gowton. That is Jimmy Kemsky. Follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Check out my work, WittingGreenNation.com. Check out Jimmy's work, PhillyVoice.com. Give us a subscription to the podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. We will get to some of your ratings that we have not read, uh, your reviews, I should say. Uh, We will get to those at some point in the future here, maybe before the draft. Um, Check out at BGN underscore radio on Twitter. For the BGN podcast Twitter account, check out at Bleeding Green for the blog Twitter account. 
uh, at Bleeding Green Insta on the Instagram, where you can see uh, Rachel putting up clips from the podcast and promotion there. So if you want to, another way to see that there's a new episode, you can follow along on there. It's a good way to do it. Check out RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your snacks of pleasure, I should say. Um, and 15% off dog treats by using the same discount code BGN15 at wildnaturepet.com. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you're going to want to call or text this phone number that Jimmy is going to say right now. 856-906-9295. Or go to roachrealtors.com. So do all that, and we'll be back next week, and it'll be a great time. See ya. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> B-G-N. <laughs>